Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Spirit of where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Perkyavis Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. Okay, this morning's Mishnah is put up on the side. It's on the chat. Chapter 3, Mishnah 4. As usual, a very, uh, very exciting Mishnah, very fascinating Mishnah, because it seems to be very straightforward, relatively short, relatively, relatively short Mishnah. Um, some of the ones that we've been dealing with have been a little bit more um, elaborate, and this one seems to be a little bit simpler, but as we go through it, we'll realize that it is anything but um, simple. Okay. Mishnah says like this. Mishnah says that Rabbi Hanina ben Chachinoi Oimer, Rabbi Hanina ben Chachinoi was the Talmud of Rabbi Akiva's, Haneor Belayla, that somebody who is awake at night, the a person who walks alone on the road, and opens his heart for batala, empties his heart out to, um, to, to wasted time and to emptiness. If anything happens to that person, so then they are responsible for anything that happens to themselves. There are those that learn the Mishnah, that it's not three things that are being said, but that it's rather only two things that are being said. That Rabbi Hanina ben Chachinoi says that if you are near Belayla and Mahalach B'der Chichidi, that you stay up at night and you walk on the road alone, in both of those cases, you're Mefana Libo Levatala. In both of those cases, you're, you're, just, you're just sitting and being idle. So then you're Mishayev Benafsho. Because they're addressing a problem. Those commentaries that learn it that way are addressing a problem that what's wrong with staying up at night? As a matter of fact, I could give a shear for an hour extolling the virtues of nighttime in its connection to the learning of Torah. Gemara is replete with statements about how nighttime was created for, um, for Torah learning because there is there very little else is going on and therefore a person is done with their business, done with the with the ASIC, with the worry of the day, and therefore has an ability to be able to um, concentrate on uh, learning Torah. And therefore, there would be no difference between a person who's near Belayla, a person who's, uh, who's staying up at night. What's the problem with staying up at night? There's no, there's no issue with staying up at night. So therefore, you have to learn that Mephana Libel Torah is explaining the near Belayla, that if you stay up at night and you are, um, and you're doing nothing, so then that's where you are, Mishchai Benafsho. But the standard way of explaining, according to most commentaries, it would seem that they accept this as three completely different things. The only problem is that if these are three completely different things, then what's the difference between number one and number three? Haneo Belayla, presumably, the reason why that's a problem of staying up at night is because you're doing nothing. You're sitting around, you know, you're watching late night TV or Netflix, and you're not really accomplishing anything, you know, anything worthwhile. So... You're, you're a Neor Belayla, but the same as Mephana Libo Lebatola, 
that you empty your heart out. You know, you're not, you're not thinking of good thoughts. You're just completely emptied out. Presumably, you're also either watching Netflix or, uh, you know, sitting around and doing nothing. So the two things are exactly the same. Why would we have them as two different, um, two different entries? What's the difference in a Nair Belayla and a Mafana Libo Libatala? And, uh, you know, opening yourself up for, uh, for, for nothingness. Okay. The, the other problem is, is that the Mahalach B'derech walking on the road alone, it's not necessarily a, a crime. You're walking alone, you're walking alone. I mean, many people do that during the day. They take walks. And they take walks, and it's good alone time. There's nothing wrong with it. And if you're not connecting that to the words Mifana Libal then what's the problem with being Mahalach B'derech What's the problem with walking alone? Okay, so I think that there's two ways, I think there's many ways to understand this mission, but I think there's two points that I want to make. The first is, is that I think a very simple understanding of the Mishnah is that these are three situations where a person is free and unencumbered, where a person is not carrying around responsibilities, a person is not carrying around other people with them, other situations with them, where a person is really open and able to be able to communicate with themselves, to be able to communicate with God, to be able to accomplish something worthwhile. And they empty themselves out of it. Haneur Belayla, person who's awake at night. At night, during certainly the times of the Mishnah and the Talmud, there was nothing going on at night. There were no programs at night. There was, no, there, there was clearly no television. There were no distractions. There wasn't theater. There wasn't, there wasn't even anything that would take you outside of your house. You were really inside of your house, your business, your dealings, your business deals. All of that was, was left behind. It was a little bit like a Shabbos at night. And therefore, a person who was a Nair Belayla, a person who was awake at night and had this golden opportunity to be able to use that time strictly for themselves. Kids are asleep. The house is quiet. You've got a candle and a book. There's no distractions. There's nothing taking you anywhere. There's nothing, there's nothing to, to, to move your mind anywhere. A person who's near Belayla not using that time, that opportunity to be able to grow, not using that opportunity to be able to, to learn, to be able to study, to be able to, to have a clear mind when they're learning. A person who gets a few minutes of alone time. There's nobody around them. There's nobody bothering them. There's nobody talking to them. I used to say that I love traveling on the airplane because on the airplane, nobody could bother you. And then they figured out how to get Wi-Fi on the airplane. And my, my joy was done because that, now you sit in an airplane and it's just like sitting in your office. They soon are going to figure out a way when they get back to air travel to be able to talk on the telephone without disturbing everybody else around you. And that would be actually a very good thing to figure out because with that would probably come also some kind of way of not breathing other people's air. So that would be, it would, it would kill a lot of problems, you know, take care of a, lot of a lot of issues at once. But when you have that alone time, when you have that moment to yourself and you don't use that to be able to, to, to get into yourself, to be able to connect to yourself, a person has a few minutes of doing nothing, a few minutes during the day when they have no appointments, when they have no people around, where they have nothing to do, and yet you find things to distract you, that's Mishayev Benafsho. It's Mishayev Benafsho. You're responsible for what happens to you because you let a golden opportunity slide 
the only reason we let golden opportunities slide, there's only one reason that we let golden opportunities slide, is because we don't recognize that they're golden. Because any moment that you would recognize that something is golden, you would grab that opportunity. And that's what we do in our lives. Anything that we grab, you know, we see ourselves running after things. We see ourselves, we have got speed and alacrity. We've got a lot of energy to do certain things. The reason we have energy is because they're important to us. And it doesn't matter how silly the thing might be, but if it's important to us, we find energy, we find the ability to be able to do it. And the things that we're lackluster with, the things that we, that, we, that we procrastinate, the things that we have no energy for, it's not because we have no energy for them. It's because they are not valuable to us. Now, that, by the way, is a very scary statement. It's something that a person has to look at in themselves and to recognize that why is it that I don't want to go to this place? Why is it that I don't have the energy to go to this place? Why is it that I, I say, no, you know, I don't really feel like doing it. Why don't I feel like doing it? Because it's not something that's important, enjoyable. It's not on the top of my list. It's not something that I really want to do. And that's, that's why you mischayev benafsho. If you have these golden opportunities, which are objectively golden, and you let them slide, that means you didn't recognize how important they were. And the Mishai of Benafsho is not you're going to be punished for that, but that your life is going to be affected by that, by your inability to understand what priorities really are, by your inability to understand what's really valuable and important, so then your life is going to be impaired. There is going to be things that are going to fall away because of that. That's what Mishai of Benafsho means. That's my simple way of understanding the Mishnah. But I think that there's something more here which I know is not surprising to anyone. But I think that if you, if you just, if you dig a little deeper, I think you'll see something amazing here. Let's take a look first at Mahalach, at, at, at um, Mahalach B'derech Yechidi, walking alone. So we know that when Yosef left his father, when he reunited with his father, which was first by a message, before he actually saw his father, he sent his father a message. And the message that he sent his father is that he sent him agolos, he sent him wagons. And our rabbis wonder that if Paro sent wagons, why was it necessary for Yosef to send wagons also to bring him down to Mitzrayim? Transportation was covered by the state. So it was like, you know, nefesh ben nefesh. Why did he have to, why did he have to do it also? Why did Yosef have to send him wagons? So our rabbis say that Yosef was sending a message to his father. And the message that is to his father that he was sending was, remember, Dad, I remember the last lesson of Torah that you taught me before we departed and I got thrown into the pit. And that last lesson was the lesson of the mitzvah called Egla Arufa. Egla Arufa is where we take a heifer. If you find a dead body that is, that is murdered in between two cities, we try to figure out which city it could have come from, which city is responsible for this person who we have no idea who he is, and if, if the, the body is equidistant between cities, then the, all the cities, the elders of the cities come out and they perform a ritual where basically the message of the ritual, the breaking the neck of the heifer and, and a few other ritual things that they do, but the purpose of the ritual is to make the statement, we're not responsible for this person's death. And that was the last lesson that Yaakov was teaching Yosef. Yosef sent him and Agole sent him a wagon so that Yaakov would realize that what Yosef was sending him was a message, was that this Egel, the Egel Arufa, the, 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 the heifer, and the Agola, 
which comes seemingly from the same word, so that it would be reminded, he would look at it and go, oh, I know why he sent me wagons. He sent me agalot, because he's trying to teach me, he's trying to remind me that he remembers his lesson, that I've stayed true to the lessons you've taught me. Here, look, I remember. Uh, do me a favor. What is that talking about? Because if he sent them a wagon, which happens to have a similar word to the Egel Arufa, to the name of the mitzvah that he taught him. Oh yeah, Yaakov was going to figure that one out. Like, like you know, my wife used to do these parsha things in her class, and and she would she would go to the store on Thursdays, and she would buy crazy items, and they would have to figure out the class would have to figure out what the connection between that item and the parsha was. Now, with any kind of hint, that's a hard thing. My wife happens to, to live a little bit outside the box in the most beautiful kind of way. And she would see connections between things that the, the rest of us, it would take us years and years to figure out. And she used to give it to the kids. And many of these kids could also think outside the box. So they would figure out these connections. But there were some kids that were so stuck inside the box that for the life of them, even when you explained to them what the thing was and the connection was, they still couldn't even get it. How, how did Yosef expect Yaakov to get, oh yeah, Agalot, Egalarufa? Oh, I get it. I know what Yaakov, what Yosef is trying to tell me. So Rabbis explained a beautiful thing. What does it mean when the, when the sages of the town would say, our hands have not spilt this blood? What do you mean our hands haven't spilt this blood? There's a dead guy in between the two towns. Of course you didn't spill his blood. We're honest people that live in these towns. We're good, holy people. We didn't spill his blood. Nobody killed this guy. So what does it mean that we're not responsible for this guy's death? Of course they're not responsible. Because this guy was a guest. And what we're saying is, is that we escorted him out of our town, which is, according to our rabbis, the most important part of having guests. The most important part of having guests is the way you escort them out of your house. Because escorting them out of the house gives them a certain sense of confidence that your aura, your feeling, your love stays with them even when they walk out of the house. And when they're guests, when they're foreigners in a town and they're walking through the streets, they're walking with a confidence because they know they have you behind them. They know that they have your eyes, are, so to speak, are on them. And therefore they feel filled with a sense of confidence. You know, they always tell you when you go to a foreign city, be very, very careful when you walk alone at night that you have to exude a certain confidence because otherwise you'll get attacked because people are going to see you and recognize that you're not from there. You have no idea. You have no idea what's going on, where, where you are, what your surroundings are. And therefore you're very vulnerable. I remember there was a period of time where in, I think it was in Florida where they were looking for people with rental cars and they would attack people with rental cars because that was a sign for them that this person wasn't from Florida and they had no idea where they were and therefore they were vulnerable. The mitzvah of Egla Rufa is, is that the townspeople have to say, we, were, we did not let this person be vulnerable. We gave him as much confidence as we could. We gave him as much love and as much, and as much of a boost for his self-confidence and his sense of self. We did as much as we could for this person. And if he was attacked and murdered, it wasn't our fault. It wasn't because we weren't careful with him. It's, because, it's not because we didn't protect him. Therefore, The mitzvah of Egla Rufa is the mitzvah to recognize, don't let another person be vulnerable recognize a person's vulnerabilities and shore them up, strengthen them, 
when they're vulnerable. Strengthen them when they're down. Ya- Yosef was sending a message to Yaakov Avinu, not through the word Egel, but through the, through the very Agalah, through the very wagon. He was saying, Dad, I know you're vulnerable now. I know you're feeling completely disconnected. You're having to leave Eretz Yisrael and you're coming to Mitzrayim, you're coming to Egypt. I know that you're leaving everything you love behind you. You're feeling completely and totally vulnerable. Don't worry. I recognize that. And I, I want you to know I'm with you. I'm behind you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you. That wagon that he sent wasn't the connection with the word Egel. That wagon was a connection to the concept that dad, you, the last message you taught me was Egla Rufa, was don't let a person be vulnerable. And dad, I'm not going to let you be vulnerable. I have kept that lesson in my mind for 22 years. I've never forgotten the lesson that you've taught me. I've never forgotten the values that you taught me. I've been living by those values and those principles and those morals for all these years. Even though we've been disconnected, I'm still your son, Yosef. When the Mishnah says, the Mishnah is talking about a person walking vulnerable. That when a person is in a vulnerable place, when a person's neyor belayla, why is a person awake at night? He's either learning Torah and his mind is occupied, or he's sleeping and his mind is gone. But why is a person kept awake at night? Because they're thinking about their problems. They're thinking about all the things they have to do, all the things that are going wrong, all the things that are troubling them. And you know there's not a thing that you can do at night. You come up with an idea of of how you're going to help your finances. You got to wait until the banks open in the morning. You come up with an idea of what you're going to do for your business. You got to wait until the morning. Middle of the night, you come up with an idea of how you're going to help your kid or how you're going to, how you're going to take care of a situation that's arising. You got to wait until the morning. There isn't a thing that you can do at night. But by thinking about your problems, by a neyor belayla, by staying awake and keeping yourself awake, You're making yourself vulnerable to problems, to issues, to pains, to stress. You're causing yourself all kinds, all kinds of trouble. Mifana libel abatala. You have an incredible life, and all you do is allow it to go to empty places. You allow your mind, you allow your 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 events, your life, you take it into empty places. You take it into places where you have no support, where you have no protection. You take it into places where you're vulnerable. Because when you're empty, when you don't have a purpose, you can get involved in the craziest of things. We only get ourselves into trouble when we have nothing else to do. When we have something to focus on, when we have things to do, it's amazing how little trouble we get into. It's the minute that there's a little break. It's the minute that there's a little, a, a little space. Spaces don't stay empty. They fill with something. And they often fill with so much tsaras, with so much trouble. Because we become vulnerable. We become open 
to these things happening to us. I think Rabbi Hanina ben Chachinoi is telling us that a person who allows themselves to become to be vulnerable, who's a neyor belayla, who feels alone, who allows themselves to feel alone, who allows themselves to get themselves into a place where they're not connected to others, where they feel that there's no support from anybody around them. Now, a lot of times there isn't. But there are ways for us to be able to feel that we're supported. There are ways for us to connect ourselves to the things around us, to appreciate the little things around us that give us that kind of support and don't allow us to slip into that wallowing place of being vulnerable. I just had a fascinating conversation with someone. A certain program that we were running that seems to be running out of steam. There were two possible explanations of why it was running out of steam. And both of us gave an explanation of why it was running out of steam. And then I looked at the person and I said, I, 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 could, I could even be more specific about it. It's a certain thing we were running in shul that uh, on, on Zoom, it was a social hour. And the numbers were very high in the beginning of the corona. And now they have dwindled to a, to a very small number. We also ch- changed the advertising method. We don't send out emails anymore about it. So we started to say, you know what? It's probably because we're not sending out the emails. I looked at the person and I said, wait a second. We're not victims. We're not victims. It's not, it's not anybody's fault. It's, you know, we're not, we don't send out advertising. It's the people, people are not, it's not being fed to them. That's not the reason. The reason is we need to change it up. We need to figure out a way to spruce it up, to make it more exciting, to do something else in it. We've, we've finished that, that kufa. That period, it's been great. Now we have to start something different. We have to do something different. We have to take control of it. We could easily say, Oy vey, what was me? You know, we, we're not allowed to send out emails anymore. We can't send out advertisements. No, it's got nothing to do with that. Don't wallow in things. Look at it and say, how can I change this? Don't allow yourself to be vulnerable. Don't be a mahalach b'derech feeling like you're alone, feeling like there's nobody around you. There's plenty of people around you. There's plenty of people that care. Sometimes you have to reach out a little bit. Sometimes you have to reach out and you have to grab them. I was speaking to a woman who, unfortunately, her husband is very, very sick. And she said she feels very alone. And I said, I appreciate that. And I appreciate that many people are afraid to call you because they don't know what they, what, what's going to be on the other end. They don't know if this is the right time to call, not the right time to call. They know your husband is so sick. Why not just send out messages? Send it out through another person. Just say, you know what? It would be so great if you could call me. And why not just call them and say, you know what? You have a couple of minutes I could use to talk. It's easy to be a mahalach b'derech yichidi. It's easy to walk alone, to be alone, to feel alone, to feel totally disconnected, to feel completely vulnerable. But if you do, Mishayev Benafsho, you've brought this on yourself. A person who is a neyor belayla, a person who keeps themselves up with all of their problems, knowing that there's nothing they can do about them. They can't change them now. Now is not the time to worry about them. Anything that comes out of that, all the sickness that I feel, all of the anxiety I feel, all the pain in my heart that I feel, you're a Mishayev Benafsho. Don't blame that on anybody. You brought that on yourself. And a Mifano Libel of Atala, Somebody who uses valuable time and valuable situations just to, just to be empty. A person who empties out their, their life. A person who finds empty spaces in their life where there isn't anything meaningful and that pulls them down and drags them down. You're responsible for that. 
What I think the message of Rabbi Hanina ben Chachinoi is, is that you have to be, we have to be in control of ourselves. We are in control of our happiness. We are in control of our contentment. We are in control of our sense of self. Don't put yourself in a place where you're vulnerable. Because when you put yourself in a place where you're vulnerable and you get dragged down, it's you that are dragging yourself down. Rather, focus on positive things. Focus on good things. You're up at night. Use the time for incredible opportunities, especially nowadays. There are so many incredible things that you can do at night, so many incredible ways to grow, so many incredible things to get involved in. Mahalach b'derech yichidi, grab onto those moments. Alone is a good thing. Am levadad yishkon, the Jewish people is a nation that dwells alone. Being alone, being allowed to be able to be in charge of yourself, that's a good thing. You have a few minutes, think some pleasant thoughts, work out things that have been plaguing you, think things out, talk things out with yourself, enjoy those moments of solitude, breathe a little bit, look at it as something positive, not as something negative. When we look at it positive, if the negative is mischayev benafsho, so then the positive is mechaya esnafsho. That's what gives us life, and that's what rejuvenates our existence. My thoughts for the day. Okay, any questions, comments? Okay. It's a, it's a good mission to chew over. I think it's a, I, th- I think it's a, a very beautiful. I think it's a, a profound statement that Rabbi Chinin Menchachinoy is saying. Happens to be that he was one of the Asar Eruge Malchus, according to the he was one of the ten martyrs. And according to the one of the versions of the ten martyrs, he was killed on Friday night while he was making kiddush. And when he got to the words, um, the lekodshay. So then he was, he was killed as he was talking about the Kedusha Shabbos. So that's where his neshama, that's where his soul um, left him, which only, which only tells us that he was a person that had, that had built himself up in an incredible way through his lifetime and that he died in the word Kedusha. He died as he reached that level of holiness and sanctity, which meant that that's the way he lived his life and that's the way he departed this world. Okay, everyone should have a, a wonderful, amazing day. Yitz, I see you, a newcomer. No idea who you are, but it's nice to see you and love that picture. I'm, uh, I'm in Beit Shemesh in Eretz Yisrael. Oh, Givaldik, beautiful. beautiful. And you folks are where? We're in Medellin. Oh, okay, good. That's down, why down, just down the road. I thought this was a very late night year for America, but it's an early morning. Yeah, for, yeah. it's an early morning, an early morning Modian share. In Gimel. In Gimel. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Very nice. I've got uh, nephews that are abonim in uh, in Beit Shemesh. Lif and Margolis. Oh, Rabbi Lif. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's my... uh, Thank you very much. My pleasure. Everyone should have a beautiful, wonderful, amazing day. And in Mitzvah Shem, we'll see you all tomorrow. Thank you. Cult of. Nice to meet you.